Well, welcome to Walk Church. You made it today. Come on, look at somebody and say, I'm glad you're here. Come on, tell them. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. If you're watching online, uh, we're glad that you're here as well. Glad that you're you're on with us, and it means a lot. We've been praying for this day. I feel like it was a quick turnaround after Christmas Eve uh, this past Thursday, but we had an awesome Christmas Eve service. We had to pull out chairs. It was amazing. People invited friends and family, and people heard the gospel and responded as well. And so, come on, let's just give it up to the Lord for meeting us in the warehouse on Christmas Eve. I hope, hope that you and your family had a great Christmas, even though I'm sure it looked different for many of us, um, but we, we, we made it, as Pastor Mike said, and uh, that is by his grace and his mercy for show. Well, I'm excited for today because I just wanted to be around the family. I needed this time today, but also I'm excited that we get to celebrate a baptism right after this service. My brother Malik is taking this step of getting baptized today. And man, excited to have family here. We honor you. I know you've been doing discipleship with Teddy. And bro, it's going to be fire, all right? So, and cold at the same time, but you know what I'm talking about. We're looking forward to that. So please stay after if you would be able to celebrate with Malik taking that next step. Well, I want to preach a message to you today that, that I'm titling Life After Christmas. Life After Christmas. And um, this is a message that I felt like the Lord was stirring on my heart where oftentimes we get so fired up about Christmas, and we should, and we give all this energy to Christmas, and we should, right? Even the angels interrupted the shepherds and had a multitude singing and praising God because Christ is born. Glory to God in the highest. The highest amount of glory is due because the Savior has arrived. But what does life after Christmas look like is the question. That's what I want to think about today. That's what I want to lean into today. Because we have the hustle and the bustle and the lights and the, the, the tree and the ornaments. But what does it look like when we have to leave Christmas? Does the Bible just close or is there more to the story? And so today's sermon is really going to be more of a leadership lesson on what life looks like for the Christian after Christmas. If you got all that, say, I got it. If you're ready, say, ready. If you're hungry, say, let's eat. Let's eat. Father, I pray that we would eat from your word here today and, God, grow today, learn today. God, this is a one-of-one Sunday. It's a big deal, Lord. God, it's a big deal, and we want to grow today. We want to get better today. God, we want to... We want to get something out of today. We want to receive today. We want to eat today. So Jesus, I do pray for you to just help us see what life looks like after Christmas in a real way, that we leave here with something in our hands, with tools in our tool belt, God. We would leave here sharpened today because we came to walk church online and in person. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Before I do jump into this word today, I also want to go ahead and celebrate uh, one more. I, we love celebrating at Walk Church. Give, before the service, if you got something to celebrate, just come find me because I just want to celebrate with you. But today, I do want to celebrate my sister Sam and Mike as they got engaged over the week. Not weekend, but week. <laughs> and man, excited for y'all. That's a big deal. Mike, way to put a ring on it, bro. Proud of you, man. Yeah, man. Good Christmas, right? Amen. All right, well, let's talk about life 
after Christmas. If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 2. We're going to read a whole bunch of scripture today, and we're going to lean into this text, and hopefully there's some stuff that we can pull out. It's going to be some points, and pray it be helpful for you. Starting in verse number 10, just to set the stage and the context for you, uh, we just um, saw Jesus Christ born in the manger. The Gospel of Matthew really focuses a lot on Joseph, Jesus' adopted dad. We don't know much about Mary in Matthew's Gospel. If you read Luke, you won't know much about Joseph. You'll know a ton about Mary. And the Gospels just give us different accounts and stories, and we piece them together, and we lean into the Christmas story. In this text, we find that Jesus has already been born and he's growing. He's probably around one or two years old at this point. Not every Christmas narrative will tell the story this way, but we believe theologically and scholarly and the church fathers would affirm that Jesus was already born and probably around two years old by the time the wise men ended up making it to the scene. So this is life after Christmas. Jesus is a growing little toddler. And it says that when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child. In other words, it would have, may have said the baby if Jesus was still baby Jesus at the time. This is a moment where he's a child now with Mary, his mother. And they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. They brought these different powerful, expensive, costly treasures, and in a lot of ways, many scholars believe they were prophetic gifts, gold for a king, right? frankincense for royalty, and then myrrh, which was something that you would use when a person dies, in the way this was prophetic of Jesus' life. And that's usually where the Christmas story ends, right? Amen? You know, Pastor Dean is like, all right, and everybody lived happily ever after. But I just wanted to tell our church today, this is not a Disney movie. Life after Christmas is not a fairy tale. It's very real, very alive, very action-packed. And there's more to the story. For example, verse 12. In being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord... Let me get that next slide appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. This is life after Christmas. This is God showing up and he's saying, the first point of the message today is be prepared. Be prepared. Be prepared. What does life after Christmas look like for the Christian? It looks like being prepared for the battle, being prepared for the war, being prepared for the struggle, being prepared for the fight. I would even go as far to say expect it. Christmas ends, expect the battle, expect the war, expect for the enemy who hates you and wants to destroy you, that same language there from King Herod who wanted to destroy King Jesus is alive for us. Be prepared. What does it look like for you to be prepared? I'm, I'm an athlete. At least I once was. <laughs> I want to stay, try to still keep that title. But 
I know that the preparation when it comes to sports is very real. Or the preparation when it comes to, to band, come on, Marissa, is very real, right? The preparation for whatever it is that you do and how you work and where you lead and what you do with your life is, is, a, is a key ingredient. Maybe you made some food for Christmas. You had to prepare it, amen? Somebody did. And, and here's what the message would be for us today is be prepared. Malik, let me go ahead and talk to you for a second. When you get baptized, be prepared for the enemy to put a target on your back and say, I'm coming for you. And not only am I coming for you, I'm coming for everybody in your whole life because now you're in the game. The fact that Jesus stepped into the world, alerted the devil and all of his demonic force that there's a very real battle going on. And here's the good news. If you read the end of the book, you realize that Jesus wins. We're on the winning team. It doesn't mean that the enemy's not going to try to destroy what God is doing. Be prepared. I want you to just know it's going to happen. It's going to be challenging. Some, some people are deceiving themselves like, okay, 2021 is going to be so much better. Who told you that? There's no promise that says that's the case either. Don't even get let down. Just get prepared. If you prepare yourself and you have the right expectation, you'll be able to step in and you'll be able to get your heart ready and your mind ready and your tools ready for this battle. Here's what the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5. Peter was a disciple of Jesus. He understood this battle. He lived in it himself. He wrote about it. Let's go ahead and read it together. Ready? Come on. Let's all read together. Ready? One, two, three. Be sober-minded. Some of y'all were like, crap. Why'd you pick that verse? Depends on how prepared you want to be. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. I, I really wish that we would not take these type of scriptures so loosely as if there's some type of facade, as if like this isn't real, like the devil's not, not really like a real, like come on, the devil's not really like a real person, you know, like he's not, he doesn't really know who I, you know, he's, like he's, he's just kind of like a, the bad guy in a movie. No, 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 he's very real. And he's waiting for you at your house and at your computer, and on your phone, and he's crawling around, tiptoeing around, waiting for you to catch you slipping so he can jump on you and destroy your marriage, your family, and your kids, and your dreams, and your athletic dreams, and your entrepreneurial dreams. Some of you feel called to be a missionary. The devil wants to kill that dream. you got to recognize that we have a very real adversary. What is an adversary, right? He's on the other side. He's an opponent. He's prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Get prepared. How do you get prepared? Resist him. When you sense temptation, here's the word from church. Resist. The word for resist is the picture of giving someone a stiff arm. Come on, everybody, let me see your stiff arm. Go ahead and do it. Don't hurt the person next to you. Come on now. A, a gentle stiff arm, a light stiff arm, right? You, you got you to gotta give the enemy, the devil, a stiff arm. 
Resist him. Resist him. Firm in your faith. Why is it important that the disciple Peter says, look, it's important for you to live sober-minded. If you wanted to know my, my stance on alcohol, I would just say be, be sober-minded. Right? I know that the, the sin is drunkenness. Proverbs would say that strong drink is a brawler and it's those who are led astray by it are unwise. I'm not saying that alcohol is sin by any means. I recognize that there was alcohol in the Bible. I'm just saying, what's your line? Sober-minded. If you want to be prepared. Does that make sense? Because I know somebody's going to ask me or email me tomorrow and say, like, well, how, how much is too much? Well, if you have to ask that question, it's probably too much. Are you still able to be watchful? Are you able to be sober-minded? Here's why. Because there's a devil that hates you. He's real. And check this out. He's so much more powerful than you apart from Christ. Now, I do recognize at the same time, greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. You are on the winning team, but if you get caught slipping, don't think the enemy won't sneak up into Eden and whisper to Adam and Eve, who were perfect, and just say, hey, look, just try this. Let me just try to catch you slipping. If I can't catch you slipping, maybe I can catch you slipping. Be prepared. What does life after Christmas look like? It looks like a battle. It looks like a full-blown war for your soul. What's on the line? Your soul is on the line. It's messy. It's gangsta. Gangsta Christianity right here. It's war-type living. Like online, I don't want to deceive you. It's not going to be all roses and skipping through fields and your bank account's going to get fat. Like, that's not the goal of Christianity. It's a war. It's messy. It's hard. It's struggle. It's tough conversations. What does iron sharpening iron look like? Sparks. Come on, right? Like, it's like, man, I'm getting better. You're getting better. And we're having tough conversations. And the enemy's trying to fight for our souls. And we're coming to church every week. And we're getting better, amen? That's the type of Christianity discipleship we see in the Bible. The Bible, it's not, it's not easy to tithe. Whoever said it was easy to give 10%. This is war-type living. It's getting prepared to be generous. It's getting prepared to, to, to be a leader. It's getting prepared to, to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus. If you read this book, especially in the book of Acts, you find, wow, there's a lot of people going to jail. <laughs> there's a lot of miracles happening. There's a guy named Stephen who gets killed by stones for standing up for his faith. We find later John the Baptist gets his head cut off and served on a platter. This, this is real, friends. I don't want us to be deceived that Christmas is some pretty trees and, and presents on the stage. It's a war. Look at the person next to you and say, hey, friend, be prepared. Be prepared. Be prepared. Be prepared. Be, be, Prepared. I want to jump back into what happens after the Christmas story. Let's jump back into Matthew chapter 2 where we last left off. The Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. Now check this out. This is an unknown land. 
had never been to Egypt. Joseph's whole world just got rocked. So like, first off, he just went to Bethlehem, right? His wife now gave birth to the Savior of the world. He's trying to figure out how to raise Jesus and remain there until I tell you. And then basically, God sometimes will tell you to do something and you'd be like, how long until I tell you? How long are we going to do this, God? I don't really know much about Egypt just till I tell you. Herod's about to search for the child to destroy him. And I love what it says about Joseph. This is what leaders do. He did it. Joseph doesn't argue. Joseph doesn't ask for gas money. Come on, Joseph doesn't ask questions. What does he do? He just does it. And he rose and he took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. Let's go to that next verse. I want to go a little bit further, and then we'll, we'll, we'll go into our second point. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and all that in all, in all the region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled that was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah weeping in loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. I, I read these verses because I just want you to show, man, the, what happened after, what was life after Christmas like? It was tough. Imagine being in the land and you have a ruler, king, leader who is a narcissistic, prideful murderer named Herod who wants to kill every child under two years old that's a male. I can't even imagine it. This is life after Christmas. There was weeping, loud lamentation in the land. You could hear it. It was startling. It was staggering. This is real. And I think sometimes we have the temptation to think, man, 2020 has been so hard, which it has. I don't want to take anything away from it, but it's nothing new, right? It isn't. God is wanting us to be prepared. Some things I see in this text is God telling him, hey, look, go there and wait for me. And when I say move, then I want you to move. I want you to stay there. Let me look at the next verse as we continue on, uh, on to 18. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. But when Herod had died, now sec the second Herod died, right? Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph again in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. Here's what I want, to, want you to see in this second point. The first point is to be prepared. The second point is to be patient. To be patient. Wait, wait for it. Wait on it. These are some leadership tips to go into this new year. First one, be prepared for the struggle. Be prepared for the battle. The second one is be patient. I think one thing that we can do together as a church as we move into 2021 is to just learn how to be patient. When it comes to being patient, this is not just a cool tip from 
Church, friends, this is a thoroughly biblical subject that we can learn from. Listen to how David wrote in Psalm 37. Psalm 37, we see David writing this psalm, learning about it. He says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Amen? Come on, can I get an amen? I, that, I think that we had to do a second amen there because we don't like being, being patient. Amen? We don't. We, we, it's hard to be patient. I know it is for me. I once heard a parable about somebody who prayed this prayer. Lord, make me patient now! <laughs> I want to be patient right now! <laughs> God's laughing. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. God, when is this virus going to let up? I don't know. But I just know that we need to be still before the Lord and wait patiently for the Lord. I wonder if God is saying, hey, America, wait for me. Hey, Las Vegas, be patient before me. Hey, Walk Church, be patient. What about this warehouse? I don't know. Be patient. What about the land that we're praying for? God's like, hey, be patient. What about all the other things on your dream list? Be patient. The word from church today is to be prepared and to be patient. Wait, wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Don't worry about what other people are doing. Be patient. Stop scrolling so much and comparing so much. Be patient. Refrain from anger. Forsake Wrath, fret not yourself, it tends only to evil, for the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Come on, we're waiting for some land, amen? We're praying for some land. We're praying for a special use permit so we can purchase a piece of land to build a future facility for Walk Church in our city. And you don't think I'm leaning into this verse? Come on, right? We believe this stuff, don't we? He says... Those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the, the, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at this place, he will not be. Let's go to the next slide. There, but the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. The meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. Peace. The Lord is, is he's persuading us this morning. Be patient. He's calling us to a lifestyle of patience. I don't know what it is that you're praying for, waiting for, seeking for, searching for, but there's something about the waiting season, amen, that God even tests us in the waiting season that helps us, helps us get better. It helps us appreciate God more. It helps us give him the glory more. The patient season. This is not only in Psalm 37. David would end up having a baby with a lady named Bathsheba. They would name this little boy named Solomon. Solomon would grow up. He would write the book of Proverbs, and he would write another book in the Bible called Ecclesiastes, which is a book all about wisdom for living. Here's what Solomon writes in the book of Ecclesiastes. Let's look at it together. Come on, let's read again. Are you all ready to read? Come on, one, one, two, three. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Hold up, we gotta stop right there. That is a good word. Come on, can somebody say good word? 
Maybe this is just a good word for me. This is a good word for the last Sunday in 2020. Better is the end of this thing than its beginning. And the church said amen. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Come on, Manu, right? This is a word right here. It's better to be patient in your spirit. It's better to have a patient spirit than a proud spirit. I think I just came up with a new wristband. Patient spirit greater than proud spirit. I know that I struggle. I think my pridefulness tries to jump in and leap in and say, do it my way. Do it now. Don't wait. Don't ask for wise counsel. Don't pray about it. Don't open the word first. Just jump into whatever's next. A patient spirit is better than a proud spirit. Every time. Be not quick in your spirit to become angry. For anger lodges in the heart of fools. Wow. Say not, why were the former days better than these? Come on, does anybody ever do that? Reflect on your old playing days? Come on, DK, help me, brother. I know maybe it's just, maybe it's just me, right? Man, I just dreaming about my stats and dreaming about just different things. And, and, and Solomon's saying, you're going to get discouraged the more you do that. The former days were better than these. He goes, no, it's actually not wise that you ask this. Don't ask, how come it was better yesterday? How come 2019 was better than 2020? Don't ask that. Focus on right now. And learn how to be patient in the moment. Learn how to be patient in the season that God has called us to. Not only do we see it in the Old Testament, I love how Paul writes about it in Romans chapter 12. He encourages us to be patient. Romans chapter 12, verse number 12. Come on, let's read it. Ready? Here we go. Rejoice in hope. Let me hear it a little louder. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Paul is writing to the church in Rome who was all jacked up. Rome was very much like Las Vegas. All types of sin everywhere, rampant sin, flooding the streets. It was way more grotesque than we see in our city. If you read about Roman culture and European history, it was jacked up. It was really bad. And Paul says, but listen, church, here's what we should be doing. We should be rejoicing in the hope that we have in Christ. We should be patient in the tribulation. And we are experiencing tribulation. Here's what God says. Be patient in it. And friend, be constant in prayer. One of the reasons why I really felt burdened in my heart for us to move, not just from a monthly prayer meeting, but to a weekly prayer meeting, is because I'm trying to live out constant. I mean, one day, hopefully, we can get to a daily prayer meeting. That would be special. I don't know if anybody would come, but I know the Lord would. Wow. But I love the idea that we're going we're gonna to take steps of being constantly in prayer. What does that mean? It means that you're just constantly talking to God. Who wants to constantly hear from us? The thing about prayer that blows my mind is that God wants to listen. That God bends down to learn, not learn, but to, to listen to us. And we learn from him in the time of prayer. The school of prayer teaches us so much. Be patient. Be constant in prayer. Rejoicing in hope. He doesn't say rejoicing in the now. He says, hey, you got you to have hope in what's not even happened yet. 
but rejoice even in that. Be patient. Looking back at our text in Matthew, we're almost done. We'll finish up here. And Herod died. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph. How about this? This is Joseph's fourth dream. And I'm not going to get into this. This is just for the theological people in the room that love the Bible and love comparing stuff. But how wild is it that Joseph got a dream and was sent to Egypt? And in the book of Genesis, we find a guy named Joseph who had a dream who was in Egypt. And it was all about delivering his people out of bondage. We're seeing some different parallels. The Bible is amazing like that. But we find Joseph, the adopted dad of Jesus, get this dream. He says, rise, take the child and his mother and go. I love the leadership of Joseph. Constantly just saying, hey, Mary, we got to go. Hey, Mary, this is what we're going to do. That God continued to give Joseph these dreams because he knew he would be obedient. He's going to lead his family well. He was going to lead baby Jesus well. Go to the land of Israel. So now he's went from Bethlehem. Well, he went, he went from Galilee and got a dream. He took Mary to Bethlehem. She fulfilled the prophecy out of Isaiah 7 and had the baby Jesus. He got a dream, went to Egypt, got a dream, went to Israel, got a dream, and he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod. So remember, both Herods died, and then their next son up, Archelaus, was up, and he was reigning in place. He was afraid to go there. I love it. And then being warned in a dream. This is wild. This is life after Christmas. We're still in Matthew 2. Ten verses ago, we were hanging with the wise men. He withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. All this prophecy fulfillment from the Old Testament. Let me give you the third and final point of the message today. The first was be prepared. The second one was be patient. This third one is be present. Be present. Or what we're going to call is steward it. Steward it. I love this verse, or this, this point here. Is, is the reminder, all right, look, okay, I need to be prepared for the battle. I'm in a war. Focus my mind for battle-type living, war-type living. I need to be patient in the trenches, amen? I need to be patient while I'm working at this thing. And not only that, I need to be present. I want you, I want you to try to find some time before the end of this year where you can get by yourself, not even with your spouse, Definitely not with your kids, not with your best friend, and not with your phone. Where you can just be present. Just be present in the moment. You can look around. My wife Nina told our boys this yesterday. We, were, we had a long drive yesterday, and we put something on so that they could watch in the car. And then we just said, you know what, no. You got to look around. You just got to look around. See the trees. We live in Las Vegas. See the mountains. They're like HD. You like look around and see them. Like look around. See cars. See lights. See people. Be present. Look at where you're at. 
Get with God and say, okay, God, what does it look like for me to steward where I'm at? Here's a word. Where you're at is where you're at. This wasn't, wasn't that. I should have worked on it better. But, but it spoke to me. Where you're at is where you're at. The season of life that you're in is the season of life that you're in. You're not a, a previous you. You're not a future you. Be present. This is the gift. This is the present. The presence. Be present. Look at the person next to you and say, hey, be present. Especially at church. Please. Be present. Remember that in school? They used to, they used to call your name present. <laughs> Come on. Right? Present. We need to do that again. We need to get present. Come on. We need to get present. Be present. Be in the moment. Don't live for the moment. Live in the moment. I saw this meme. I want to find it. It was a meme of, it was like a, it was like a people at a, a concert. It was like hundreds of people, and they're all on their phones. And then there's this one little old lady, and she's just watching. Right? Be present in the moment. We find that Joseph and Mary, wherever they were at, they said, this is where we're at. Whether they were in Bethlehem, they were present. Whether they were in Nazareth, present. Whether they were in Galilee, present. They got moved to Egypt, present. Learn how to be present this year. 2021, I want to approach every day. I want to be present. I don't want them to just fly by and be like, what? I missed it. No, I want to be present. I want to maximize the moment. I opened up Proverbs chapter 27 this morning. Like I try to do every day. I try to start off not with a notification in the, in the phone, but a notification from Proverbs. And I just said, okay, let me start with Proverbs 27. Here's the word. First, first verse of Proverbs 27. I don't know if you got a chance to see it, but here's what it says. Oh, I got the wrong, the wrong slide here. Maybe I didn't update it right. Let me go ahead and read it to you. Proverbs 27, and my error on that. But I want you to catch it because it spoke to me this morning. Come on, let's do a Bible drill. Who can get there first? I'm going to memorize this verse so I don't have to look it up next time. Here's what it says. Do not boast about tomorrow. For you do not know what a day may bring. Be present. I was working on this point, and God said, look, you don't got to boast about tomorrow. Hey, I've had so many people tell me this before. Hey, yo, man, I'm going to go to church someday. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get generous one day. I'm going to start a business one day. I'm going to be a leader someday. If you're not doing it now, you're not going to do it then. If you're not working toward it now, if you're not present now, if you're not presently in it now, I wouldn't count on you. If you're not working on your game now, if you're not in the word now, be present. Joseph, what we learn from him is he was, he was present, locked in. Mary, locked in. Baby Jesus, locked in. Present. And so maybe this year we would all just take our level up a notch, 2021. Let's just get out of casual Christianity, comfortable Christianity, no risk Christianity, not, 
Sunday Christianity. Let's make this thing every day where you have to be prepared. You have to be patient. You have to be present in order to see the move of God in your life. You have to do these things. You're not content with just average, comfortable, lukewarm, spit you out of my mouth Christianity. You're not content with sin. You can't be content with sexual sin. and You can't be content with with, with blowing all your money on things that don't matter. You can't be content with things that don't make a difference for your life and for others' lives in the kingdom of God. That's the Christianity that has power to it. That's the Christianity that glows in the midst of darkness. And that's what I want for our church this year and that we would live out these three Ps. Let's pray. God, help us to do it, Lord. Help us to do it. Help us to live it what we want to see happen. Come on, everybody just pray this prayer with me right now. If you want to, pray it out loud. If you want to pray it silently or in your heart, you can do that as well. But just join me in this prayer right now. Just say, Jesus, help me be prepared. Come on, let's do it again. Jesus, help me be prepared. Prepare me on again. Jesus, help me be patient. Help me be patient, God. Last one. Jesus, help me be present. Help me be present, God. Help me be prepared. Help me be patient. Help me be present, God. God, for those who don't know you, Jesus, I pray today would be the moment they get to know you. They fall on their knees and say, Jesus, you're the Lord of all. I can't do this without you. I need you to take away my sins. I need you to cover my shame. I need you to wipe away my past. I need you to wipe away my guilt. I need you to give me your Holy Spirit. I confess that I'm a sinner. I confess that I need you. I confess you died on the cross. You rose from the grave. You're coming again. I'm on the winning team. I'm going to win this battle because of Christ. I confess and I need you, Jesus. Go to him today. Go to him today. God, we love you. We honor you. Help us to do it, Lord. To be who you've called us to be. Be present in us. Be patient through us. Prepare us. We honor you. We love you. We trust you. We need you. We have you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.